Hello, and welcome to Kingwood United Methodist Church. Thank you for joining us today. Wherever you're listening from, and whatever service you're listening to, we strongly believe because of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, there is always more to life. obviously many beautiful ways that we can pray and when we hear them from the words of children from the mouths of children and how simple they are um, it's a reminder that our prayers are meant to be simple as well and I think that sometimes we try to overcomplicate this topic a lot there's lots of books written on it not that those books aren't valuable but sometimes we get overwhelmed with so much information and we forget that God has given us pretty simple clear instructions on this And really, most importantly, he just wants us in his presence. When we look at prayer, even this morning, let's just go through what we've already prayed this morning. We've had public prayer. We've had our pastoral prayer. We've said the Lord's Prayer. You may not know it, but while we were in here, there are people in the chapel praying for us, individual, uh, for us as a church. Excuse me, as a church, um, you're going to receive, if you haven't already, your Lenten guide for the week, which has prayers in it. It has historic prayers and new prayers. Many of you may have prayed before you ever even came to church today, and we've prayed together. It's not even noon yet, and you've already covered about 10 different ways of praying. And so it's easy to get overwhelmed by that, I think, and to think that we have to do all of those different parts perfectly and that we have to do them in a certain way. But prayer is meant to be simple. It's meant to be something that we can do anytime, anywhere. But it can be, first to admit this, can be easy to get distracted, um, even when you're in church. I'm not going to lie, and I won't ask anyone to raise any hands, but if you've ever been in church and during prayer, it seems like that's the moment that your stomach is going to growl the loudest. And so for a minute, you're wondering, gosh, did anybody else hear that? And then from there, sometimes my mind might go to, God, Mexican food sounds kind of good today. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> Got to correct here. <laughs> and so <laughs> sometimes the to-do list for the rest of the day or the rest of the week can go through our heads. And so it's easy to get distracted at times. Even the disciples, when they went to the Garden of Gethsemane, fell asleep. They got distracted by that immediate human need that they had in their lives for sleep. And so we're going to talk about a lot of different ways today to remove some of those distractions and to simplify that prayer. And those distractions can be idols. Um, They can be the things that we've created to give us a false sense of security. Um, Sometimes that false sense of security in good times is because we think we've got it all figured out. So we just kind of plow ahead on our own and we forget that we need to invite God into it. And then sometimes that false sense of security comes um, in the bad times as well. And it's when we we forget, where we stop, and we're so overwhelmed by our circumstances that we forget to seek God's grace and God's healing and his forgiveness. Sometimes it might be because we're scared that God may not show up. But like I mentioned, God gave us some pretty pretty good instructions on this. And Jesus, that's our scripture for today. So if you'll stand while we're reading our scripture for today. Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 13. And this is what Jesus said. And when you pray... Do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, 
they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father, who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for the Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. The word of God for you and me, the people of God. You may be seated. That prayer in the Greek, 57 words. Pretty simple. Not that complicated. Um, But we're going to dive into that a little bit more in a little bit. Um, I wanted to kind of share for me when um, a time in my life when I really shifted the way I saw prayer and the way that it... um, became a part of, much more part of my faith journey. I was raised in the church, have always been in the church. Uh, my husband, if you may not know, um, served in the military. He was in the Navy. So um, back in, uh, I think it was about 2005, he was deployed to Iraq for about six months um, looking for WMDs. And um, I had two boys at the time. We have a daughter now. Um, two boys that were five and two and a half when he left. And so I was at home with two boys very busy. And not only that, um, two boys who were just in awe, no other way to put it, just brokenhearted that their dad was gone. They were really too young to understand the time frame, to understand where he was and what was happening. And so it was, it was hard. It was a very hard time. And just in the midst of that, I was also obviously concerned about his safety. He was out and about a lot. Um, and so um, just the, the, the prayers for that And so I found myself just very overwhelmed by it all. And I would try to pray, and I would, I couldn't always find the words, but then I would start to like make lists. And I would list out um, my, obviously praying for my husband, praying for his unit, praying for his leadership, praying for the president, praying for the, the leadership in Iraq, praying, I mean, the list just went on and on and on. And there wasn't a sense of peace in it. I I knew I was praying. I knew I was going to God. I was trying to do it, but there wasn't a sense of peace in that. And this is going to sound weird, but it happened. And when it all kind of became clear to me was when someone came up to me. It had been in the news that um, some uh, soldiers had passed away, and they would remember, they would always read the names at the end of the news on those days. And I saw someone a couple of days later, and she said, Oh, weren't you so relieved that Jim's name wasn't on there? Wasn't that an answered prayer? And in that moment, I realized, no. Not because I wanted something to happen to my husband, obviously, but because just because his name wasn't on there didn't mean that someone else's name wasn't on there. There were still names of spouses and sons and daughters on that list. I could never pray for that for someone else to take the place of my husband. And he would never pray for that. And in that moment, it just kind of crystallized and became very clear. I can't fix this. (laughs) 
<laughs> I don't have the answers. I don't have the right prayer. I don't have the right words. The only thing that is going to fix this is God's peace. God's peace for our world, God's peace in my life, God's restoration, and ultimately, God's shalom, because that's his perfect restoration of what he intended life on earth to be like. And so my prayers from that point on became very simple. They became almost one word, just peace, shalom, restoration, healing. And so during that time, it just became very apparent to me that it was in the simplicity of those prayers that I was truly submitting to God. And then was when I started to feel and experience God's peace during that time. And I think this is something that we all struggle with. We can see our prayer as a to-do list. We can see it as a list of items that we need to cover. And when we aren't communicating directly with God, that prayer can feel burdensome. It can feel kind of boring even. And we can be so overwhelmed that we don't know where to start. And sometimes we just make it too hard. Like I said, the Lord's Prayer, 57 words in Greek. It's simple enough for a child to learn, like we saw this morning, and yet profound enough that throughout our lifetime it can provide a way for us to to pray and to pray through. It's something that we can't just make it a priority and do it. It's got to be a discipline that we include in our lives. And it's a discipline. Things are disciplines, whether that's prayer or fasting or reading scripture. All of those things are disciplines because they're things that we need to practice. But we can't let our practice of them become a false hope. Just because we do more and more of it doesn't mean we're making progress and that we're growing. We need to ultimately depend on God. And our faith is him, is, in him is what is going to transform and reshape our hearts and our minds. When we come to worship on Sunday mornings, that's what we're doing. We're refocusing our hearts and our minds. And then we leave from here, and the world starts to reshape us again. I call it spring in a leak. We get all filled up on Sunday morning, and then we kind of have this, we hope a slow leak. Sometimes we can have a medium to fast leak and just get a flat tire immediately. But we start to leak that out. It starts to leave us. The world starts to speak, and we start to hear the world more, and it starts to shape us more. And so we have to go back to God's grace and God's love, and we have to seek him. We have to patch that leak. Those leaks can include our fears, our doubts, our sin, our unresolved anger, bitterness, disappointment, unforgiveness, All of those things are just a slow leak in our lives. So what does the Bible say about that? How do we stop that leak? We do that through our prayer. And one of the things that we can do in that prayer, over and over, Scripture tells us to remember. When you don't have the words, when you're not sure what to say, when you feel overwhelmed, just remember. If we look at the holy days of Israel... They're all about remembering. Passover is about remembering. Um, Hanukkah is about remembering God's provision of the oil. Jesus tells us in the upper room over and over, remember me. 
when we remember, when we remember His grace and His love, that helps to patch those leaks, and that helps us to lean into who God is. And so, when we aren't sure where to go, aren't sure what to do, just remember. Remember through Scripture the way that God has provided, and try to remember in your own life the other times that God has provided for you, and let that become your guide. Let let yourself rest in that. Thanks again for joining us for today's message. We will return to the sermon in a moment, but first, we would like to ask for you to rate, share, and subscribe to our podcast. We believe God is doing some amazing things here at KUMC, and your feedback helps our church to reach new listeners that we wouldn't otherwise be able to reach. Now, let's get back to the work. Sometimes we just have to stop worrying about making it perfect. We think we've got to have it the perfect time and the length and the perfect words. And I'm going to read a little bit from Numbers 11. And one of the things that I think is really interesting about Scripture is that, uh, this is a quote that I read this week, it's truly remarkable that all the rude, irreverent, self-pitying prayers recorded in the Bible, it is not that they were prayed in the first place, but that they were never redacted from the text. So we've got all these prayers of people, and I'm going to read from, from one of Moses's. They didn't take these out of Scripture. This is who, scripture is to reveal to us who God is and how we are to be in relationship with him. And so I'm going to read this. This is uh, Moses' prayer there in the desert. And he says, um, and Moses was troubled. He asked the Lord, why have you brought this trouble on your servant? What have I done to displease you that you put the burden of all these people on me? Did I conceive all these people? Did I give them birth? Why do you tell me to carry them in my arms as a nurse carries an infant to the land you promised on oath to their forefathers? Where can I get meat for all these people? They keep wailing to me. Give us meat. Give us meat to eat. I cannot carry all these people by myself. The burden is too heavy for me. If this is how you're going to treat me, put me to death right now. If I have found favor in your eyes and do not let me face my own ruin. That's not the perfect prayer. But it's sure as heck a simple and honest prayer, isn't it? (laughs) That is how Moses was feeling in that moment. God, just go ahead. Put me to death now. I'm tired of dealing with these people. And I I love where he says also, because he starts out with with asking, um, saying that he is overwhelmed and that he is carrying the burden. And so I think those are really incredible words to us. They're such a reminder that God doesn't expect our prayers to be perfect. He just wants them to be honest. C.S. Lewis said, We must lay before him what is in us, not what ought to be in us. Let me say that one more time. We must lay before him what is in us, not what ought to be in us. God's going to take care of the transformation part of it. So we can bring anything to him in the most raw, in the most honest, and in the most simple ways. But 
we do have to give up control. Sometimes I think we assume that prayer is something we need to master, like math or something. Um, but when we master something, when we think that's our role, that puts us in the on-top position. It puts us in control. And when we're praying, we should be coming underneath God. We're deliberately surrendering control. And so in those moments of prayer, it's about letting go of that control and about sitting underneath God, not trying to dictate what God's agenda should be. God knows what his agenda is. He needs to, us to see his agenda. And I mentioned earlier that we're going to talk a little bit more about the Lord's Prayer in those 57 words. One of the books I read this week said that the Lord's Prayer builds a fence so your prayers can run wild. And it's one of those times where I think having some structure helps us. We need, we need to be fenced in a little bit sometimes. Some boundaries are good. And it's meant to shape our hearts. And like I mentioned before, it's so simple that a child can learn it and memorize it. And yet, profound enough that it can sustain an entire lifetime of prayer. You could pray that prayer every day and use it as your guide and use it as a way to navigate through your prayer time or just take one line of it one day. And you could just lift that up to God in those moments. Today's video is an excellent example of how simple those prayers can be. And we all come to God with mixed motives, with different reasons, and those are never going to be perfect. And God understands that. But God is working on reshaping our hearts through prayer. So where do we go from here? How do we live this out? Prayer wasn't just something Jesus did. It was his life. It was his constant conversation. So as we seek his face, as we are called into his presence, then prayer becomes a part of our lives because we were in constant communication with Jesus, with God, with the Holy Spirit, and our lives are constantly, our hearts and our minds are constantly being reshaped by that. Prayer is a word or a series of words spoken in the power of the Holy Spirit. It is through the power of the Holy Spirit that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. That's the same Holy Spirit that is there with you during your times of prayer. Through prayer, we're learning how to speak as God speaks. It's done best through conversation. It's like if you're trying to learn a foreign language, you do that best, not by repeating and mimicking something back, but by being in conversation. And you start how? You start simple. Como estas? How are you? Como te llamas? Like all the little things, and eventually, you're able to use those in conversation, and they become a part of who you are. And you actually start to think. It's the key that I've always been told to foreign language is when you actually start to think or dream in that foreign language. Well, when you stay in constant conversation with God, eventually you're going to start to think in God's language and think and see things the way that God sees them. And our world, this kingdom, desperately needs 
people with the audacity to speak as God speaks. We need that more and more every single day. In Matthew 6, 6, the scripture that I read earlier, it's prescribed by Jesus. He's kind of giving this outline. This is not an excuse to say that you can never pray out loud. Just going to put that little caveat in there. Oh, well, the scripture says I got to go to my room. Well, no, we can do this together as a community too, and that's equally as important. But I think what Jesus is trying to, to help and set up here, one, is the simplicity of it. When you're alone by yourself, you're not trying to fill anyone else's agenda, and you can be totally honest before God. It's the antidote for hypocrisy. It's the cure for insecurity. It's the secret of focusing our hearts and our intention, and it helps to just feed our faith. But it cultivates an honesty of spirit. It's the NIV, or when we read this from the NIV, telling us to keep it simple. And in the message translation, this is what it says. And I like the message translation for when times when you want to get down, when it's talking about the emotions of something, because I think it does a great job of really digging into those emotions and giving, giving them words. So this is what the message says in Matthew 6.6. 6. Here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role-play before God. Just be there as simple and honestly as you can manage. The focus will shift from you to God, and you will begin to sense his grace. Simple and honest. And the focus will change. The distractions will be removed, and it will begin to focus on God And your focus will shift, and you will begin to sense his grace. And in that is where we find rest and peace, forgiveness, grace, and love, and ultimately that shalom. The last thought I want to leave with you is that, thank goodness, the power of prayer is in the one who hears it. It's not in us. The power of your prayer is in the one who hears it. So as you leave here this week, as you continue to worship, the power of your prayer is in God. We are not meant to do it alone. He's going to constantly meet us there in our simplicity and in our honesty. And he and the Holy Spirit are going to transform our hearts and our minds so that we have the audacity to speak into the world as God speaks. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.